Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. So happy to have you, all of you with us. We're here today with Danny Schultz, who is Senior Manager of Payroll Systems and Taxes at, at Kohler. Welcome, Danny. Hey, thanks for having me, Brent. Yeah, it's really good to be here. Uh, excited to talk about payroll and all the, all the fun stuff that goes with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's so much more that goes to payroll um, than sort of you know the layperson might might expect. And and I know we want to talk today a little bit about you know best practices around global payroll, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, but before we dive into it, if if you wouldn't mind, it would be great if you could just share a little bit with our audience about your background, what you do today, and where you come from. Yeah, no, yeah, sure. Excited to do that. Um, I started with uh, Kohler. It's been about 10 years before that. Um, you know, I have an accounting background. I spent a lot of time and, you know, I did, I did my four-year stint in public accounting and realized it wasn't quite exactly what I wanted to do forever. So then I switched over to industry with my main focus was tax reporting. And so I, I landed a role with a company called Valrath, and I did sales and use tax reporting and fixed asset reporting. Uh, Kohler gave me a call, and I was leading up their sales and, and use tax information, indirect tax practice, and then uh, payroll tax was part of that as, at the time. Had a great opportunity to come over and and lead the payroll team here at Kohler. I've been doing that the last three years. I always say that the uh, prior manager must have some crystal ball. I haven't yet found. To, to exit right before COVID. Um, and COVID certainly provided a lot of great insights to how payroll operates and really just how important it is to organizations. And so I'm, it's probably one of the first people to say really thankful for that because I think it let payroll be the star and shine the light on a lot of things. So that was really great for us uh, at Kohler. Um, and then, yeah, it was promoted from, from my efforts related to COVID really and really, you know, from a global perspective, we're early on our journey at Kohler. We've done a lot of research. We're starting to get the org figured out. And right now the, you know, the US team reports up through me, the UK team reports up through me. We're starting to branch out uh, to some other ownership of other countries in Europe with, with the European team. And then super excited to do that. And we still have some Canadian processing that we're, we're doing in the US as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, Kohler, uh, just hearing you describe it. I mean, this is, this is really sort of a, a great example of, um, you know, what, what global payroll can look like, and just how complicated and complex it can be. And I know that you've learned a lot. Um, you knew a lot already. Um, but you've learned a lot around, you know, what it takes to get global payroll in order. And um, I guess, I guess one of the first questions I have for you um, and kind of thinking about, you know, what the best practices of global payroll are and, and all of that, uh, what is bad global payroll? What does a bad global payroll setup look like or, you know, or a, um, a suboptimal one? What are, what are some of the headaches that, that come to mind? Brent, the, the, the real easy answer is one that the employees don't get paid, right? Or yeah. they're not getting paid on time. There's a lot of errors. Um, you're not tax compliant and you have a lot of penalties as a result of that, that's really going to get you in trouble fast. Uh, it's going to put a spotlight on you from a jurisdictional and an audit standpoint. So you really want to stay clear of anything at, 
you know, there. I think if you dig a little deeper, you know, this is where really to me, payroll in general comes down to data and data flow. And, you know, the success of your payroll operation is really going to be dependent upon the success of your data. I'm a data junkie at heart. But if you're at a, you know, at a place where from an organizational standpoint, you're doing multiple data entry, you know, by humans, and you, you're doing a, an entry into your payroll system, you're doing an entry into your HCM system, you're not going to get it right. And so, you know, those interfaces is, are super important. And it's really ensuring, really, at, at, at minimum, you have that one place for your system of record. And if you don't have, you know, those interfaces built, I'd say there's a good argument that your system of records, probably your payroll system, because mm -hmm. my bet is, okay. if, you know, who's ever doing your data entry is going to make sure your employees get paid first. Nobody, yeah. nobody's coming to work volunteering. Not that I've seen yet. <laughs> um, everybody wants their paycheck on the normal cycle, yeah. um, whether that's weekly, biweekly, you know, semi-monthly, once a year, whatever it is. And, you know, it's, it's really important that you get it as accurate as you can. And so that's really that, that, bad data is going to get you far and you know you want to make sure the employees get paid and they're paid right but that you can also pull reporting from the right spot and that's yeah one of the hardest things yeah you know I, i've heard uh elsewhere that this idea of you know touchless payroll which which is sort of that the 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 ultimate right but this idea that the more the more hands that touch the payroll data the more you know, the more, uh, the greater the risk there is for, for error, right? And you, and you also have to worry about, from what, I, what I've heard and learned, is that you have to worry about employees' personal identifying information, PII. That's a, that's a big deal, too. The more people that are touching it in the organization, there's, you know, even, not even out of malice, really, but just, just um, inadvertently, um, knowing that information or, or sharing it in, um, improperly by accident, even it's, uh, you know, it can be, um, it can be a real, um, uh, ball of wax. Yeah. That GDPR is something that, you know, we're focused on heavily and I'm really interested to see where it goes, you know, as far as the U S you know, there's some California starting, some States are starting to pick on, pick up on it, but, Certainly over in the UK, there's, you know, they sort of started the trends and it's, you know, the right to be forgotten and really just keeping enough information on employees is, is, is going to be super important in protecting the information. And the last thing you want to do is the last thing I want to see is a company that I'm at, there's a data breach and somebody got into our systems and all the social security numbers or, you know, any of the PII gets out. That's something I think that's a payroll nightmare, whether it's you know, the information out or all the wages that you pay everybody out. And mm -hmm. there's just so much information there, whether it's, you know, you know, aligned with your benefit system and, you know, potential leaves and health information. It's, that's, that data is very valuable. And I know that, you know, people are trying to penetrate the systems all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're looking at, you're looking at more than just a, uh you know, uh, sort of a nightmare in terms of fixing it, right? Repairing the situation, but you have to. And, uh, but you're also looking at a, a potential uh, damage to the employer brand, right? And uh, so you're looking at a retention. And this really cascades down where you can't even really necessarily measure all the uh, potential 
you know, um, deleterious effects to the organization. Yeah, and protecting that brand is something we try to do a lot. Um, you know, thankfully we haven't seen anything like this yet in, anywhere I've been, but right. you know, there's, I can tell you that they're trying. I got an email this week from somebody to my personal email account and it, I, I don't know how they got me or they got, you know, an employee that I knew and uh, sent an email saying, hey, I, I can't get, you know, my work computers locked. You know, I need to change my direct deposit. My bank account was closed, you know send me the information on how to do that and you know obviously we you know we have means and procedures set up so we you know it was totally fake but you alert the employee you know you don't let things like that go go to waste and um those are scary things you know i've you know as every payroll manager has had has seen the email from the ceo where it says hey i need all the w-2s and then you know <laughs> that you're just gonna see uh, you know, come, you know, the end of January, February, but, you know, it, you have to be diligent. We've got a great, you know, security team that does a lot of great phishing training for us. And, you know, I think that leads to us trying to protect the information as best we can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just thinking about it further, what, uh, what are, what are some of the challenges? I, just pivot a little bit here in terms of bringing order to global payroll, or maybe, maybe here's a, uh, a follow-on question, both of them at the same time. You know, are there any sort of basic or first, second, and third steps? Is is there sort of a, a common or a, a um, well thought out, you know, sort of um, cadence of uh, steps that you should always take uh, when when you've just finally decided you have buy-in at the organization? You finally decided, hey, we need to bring order to our global payroll, uh, bring it under you know software in a um, in a modern way. What what are some of the first steps that you take? Yeah, I think the first step is really knowing your landscape. I think if you look at you know you know some entities and and Kohler is certainly one of them where you know we've you know, started identifying who owns what where. And from a payroll standpoint, part of the organization, it flows up through finance. I report, my team, we report up through tax, which rolls up through finance and, you know, other parts it rolls up through HR. And certainly HR and finance top leadership might not always be aligned and, and how that all works, but it's really getting your organizational structure right. And then it's knowing where the employees are and how they get paid. You know, we have a lot of entities at Kohler. We certainly have a lot of people at Kohler and they get paid a lot of different ways. And so it's knowing who's using what systems, where are we leveraging relationships with, you know, multiple partners and really knowing the landscape, you know, you might know that you have 15 employees in one country and they got to get paid, but you might not know of those 15, you might have partnerships with three different accounting firms because they might be with three different entities in the country. And so it's a lot of times, you know, I've seen where as, you know, through MA or or whatever, your population grows and keeping up with everything isn't always the easiest thing to do. It's that full landscape and knowing that is such a challenge in, mm -hmm. in, with, with large organizations, especially if they, you know, side, you know, grow up like Kohler, where you have different legs of the business, we, you know, the power business, the plumbing business, hospitality businesses, and then even with power, we have engines and generators. My, my pup's really excited about that stuff too. Uh, and then really it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out the leader and be committed to the change, right? That's, that's important. You know, mm -hmm. system changes and payroll are 
very stressful time. So you don't want to go live with 38 countries at once. I think that's <laughs> you know, certainly whatever you do. It's crazy you, talk. <laughs> it is crazy talk. I can't, I mean, it can be done. You just, you know, get the right partner or the right vendor and sure. really just setting up your governance model is such a super important part. What part of the org is going to flow up through if there's problems, what does treasury think, what is, you know, tax and what is, you know, if you have a global mobility team, what are they doing? Obviously HR is super important, but um, and then IT plays such a big role too, because again, back to the data, it's setting up minimum requirements mm. as you, in, you know, you go down the road for new payroll systems, make sure those interfaces are there. It might cost a little bit more money to set up, but you get that back on less errors and, you know, turnover. Employees aren't willing to take errors on their payroll. They're just not. <laughs> if you, if, I think, you know, I've seen stats and, don't remember what they are. Certainly don't have a pile of them right in front of me, but I think, you know, employees are willing to take one error on payroll, but I think if you mess up twice, I think I've seen stats up where of 60% or greater that employers are just, you know, I'm done. I'm going to go find a new job. And especially now in the economy we're at with the great, you know, you know, the work. Yeah, great resignation. Yeah. And that's, it's such, plays such a big part. And so from a payroll standpoint, this is really, we as, professionals, we really pivot a little bit more from just providing the service of payroll to helping ensure that the employee experience is so important mm -hmm. and we're not impacting that anyway. And then really looking for how can we leverage technology to really help the employee experience? Because there are certainly ways we can do that within payroll. Yeah. Um, I, you mentioned those, those stats that are out there and there's plenty, there are plenty of them around, you know, just, just how, how much of a, of a, of a, you know, how many mistakes are employees willing to tolerate with payroll? I've seen one, I think it's from the um, the Workforce workforce Institute at UKG, I think it's from the past year. And it's, I don't remember the exact number, but it's, uh, I think employees are willing to tolerate just one mistake with, with their payroll. So, right. So, you know, on the second one, they said, well, okay, I'm out of here. And there's a huge percentage of them that will, and, and you can't really blame them. You know, that's, uh, you know, we took for all the talk about the employee experience and all, all the reasons that people work, you know, the meaning in work, the meaning of work and all that. At the end of the day, they, they're not, not working uh, to be paid. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, so, you know, I think that's, uh, you need to get the pay right. And then, um, and that means, you know, the amount from a, from a, some, uh, from a more of an abstract standpoint, getting the pay, you know, the, getting them to feel right about how much are they being paid. But then the real concrete piece of it is actually delivering pay consistently and uh, reliably uh, every pay period. You're absolutely right about that. I, I trying to think of the word and I can't, for some reason, I'm having a mind cramp, but you described, uh, you described kind of like exploring the organization, investigating who owns what, you know, and just learning all the nooks and crannies and just that, that, that big tapestry, that, uh, that um, complex tapestry in a global organization of, you know, uh, what entities are doing what and who's owning what, you know, I, Maybe maybe akin to maybe conducting forensics, although forensics are you know have to do with something that happened in the past, I think. But um, technically, but there's another word that's escaping me. But um, I wish I could think of it because it'd be a great way to describe this. I think. But but that's a huge undertaking. It is a huge undertaking. You know, we've got you know hundreds of different companies and entities at Kohler, but uh, 
I don't, I don't even know the exact number, but, you know, there's certainly a lot under the umbrella. And then, you know, just a lot of different leaders and a lot of means to get paid. And, and then it's the cultural difference, too. We were talking with, you know, a, a country, I think actually last week, where we were talking about taking their pay and, and moving, you know, the part of the processing to the UK and this particular country, they're like, well, we don't really have a payroll calendar. Like, it's, as long as it's before the end of the month, we're okay. And I'm like, how does that fly to employees? Like back to me as, you know, as, as a U.S. based individual where everybody we're set on, you know, we get paid every Thursday, every Friday, you know, like we want our pay now. And they're like, yeah, just as long as it's before the end of the month, it's usually around the 25th is usually when we get paid. But yeah, as long as it's before the end of the month, we'll show up on the first of the next month. If not, we won't. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it, the culture plays so much a role in all of this yeah. and, and really getting it right but it's you know those diversified entities like Kohler just you know laying out and, and understanding just again your data who owns what how the structure looks like so important yeah. you don't get that right like you're just it, it's it's not going to work and it's it's the lift and then it's you know it has to be a living document you can't just do it once and you know in no, yeah. in 2022 and then look at it and leave it sit there and then come back in four years and reopen it because it's going to be outdated. People are going to turn, you're going to have people turnover. You're going to have, you know, organizational change. You're going to have acquisitions and, you know, divestures and all that stuff and, or, you know, such a living and breathing thing. You know, the thing about um, payroll is that uh, global payrolls when the, or as an organization becomes global, right. Um, it usually becomes sometimes it's fast, but, Oftentimes it's kind of very gradual, you know, it just kind of happens sort of cumulatively um, over time. And, and there's no, there's some point where the organization realizes, oh gosh, you know, this is, this is getting pretty crazy with our global payroll. We should, we should uh, maybe bring some, I love to say, bring order to it, right? And uh, there's modern technology for that and everything. But at that point, just like you said, you know, you you have to investigate, investigate it, figure out who owns what and whatever. It's almost like you're reverse engineering how payroll, you know, evolved at the organization over time to really understand and map it out completely. Yeah, and that inflection point is probably around around data. So probably what's happening is there's some executives somewhere that want wants the payroll data and they want it to be accurate and they want it timely and the payroll team is doing their best to get it from the 16 different people they need to get the information up at a consolidated level, but they want that report, you know, say it takes 26 hours to deliver that report, but they want it every day or they, whatever the cycle is. Right. But that's where, you know, at some point the leader needs to raise their hand and go, do you understand what we're asking? And in order for us to deliver this report, how many systems we have to touch and, there's certainly, you know, ways to automate bad processes in there. And, you know, oh, we pulled this report from here, overlay some RPA and da, 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 da. But that doesn't mean that you need to accept a bad process. Sometimes you need to step back, look at it at a higher level, get the right people on board and, and help you get there. That, you know, the data, the data and payroll is so rich and it's, you know, making sure that it can be used in the org. And, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe we can get to that in a little bit, like in terms of what what that data can do for an organization. But you, I love what you said right there around the idea that there's 
you know, you, you can automate um, a bad process or an excessively convoluted process, right? And, and you can get that data quickly, but, you know, that's definitely not the best way to do it. I think of a, uh, we might make some enemies here. I'm thinking of a German-made car versus a Japanese car, right? You know, the, the classic German, you know, over-engineering or making things, it's great, as complex as possible. It works great, but why do it that way when you could do it the other way? Maybe that's not the greatest method analogy but 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 in any event would, this is actually a good segue because you mentioned uh, to something else we want to talk about because you mentioned you know an executive might come in and say hey i want i need to know a b and c from xyz data i need to know it i need it now you know every every day and but it takes 26 hours to get it um what are some of the other when you think about leadership and organization the various members of the of the c suite and uh what what are their what are their stake? What, what do these stake? What are their stakes in the global payroll? You know, sort of uh, ecosystem. What do they need from? A, what do they have? Competing needs, conflicting. Um, where where do they align in terms of their understanding of a need for um, and needs from global payroll? What kind of buy-in do you need from these? Uh, from which members? You know, to kind of move forward with the global global excuse me global payroll initiative. Yeah. It- you really have to start with, you know, I think the easy answer is there are finance and HR, right? HR is going to want to know where they people are. Finance is going to want to know how much we pay these people, how much a person costs, what's, you know, what's the medical, you know, benefits costs. And, and, and you're going to eventually get down to attendance and how attendance plays in and all those other things. So plant manufacturing personnel are going to want to know, marketing is going to want to know if, you know, you've got, you know, some sort of issue with, you know, marketing analysts not coming to work or excessive usification or, or whatever. And I, I really think, you know, as, you know, depending on, you know, obviously it's entity specific. So some of those other things could have other drivers that are, are very much in there, but, you know, around the world, I think attendance is something, especially in a manufacturing and, and hospitality business that we're trying to get our heads around at, at Kohler is how can we drive greater attendance at plants and how those things all play in. But it's, it's really looking at, you know, what predictive tools can we use and, and lay those on in the future to say, Hey, we've got, you know, typically in the U S if we've got attendance running at X, Y, Z, we're going to have, you know, issues in the following year with turnover coming and you're going to be able to pulling some of those things. I think, you know, some of the, you see a lot of the AI usage and some more of those predictive things and, you know, they're starting to float and and pick up. And, you know, I think the IT arena is going to play such an important part to all of this. And then if you've got, you know, a a global structure for, you know, shared services, Mm. you know, those are going to play in too, because there's certainly areas in payroll that I think you could do some things within a global structure. It's going, you know, at a, global entity shared service type level, but there are some difficulties there. And it's again, making sure that your data is right. And so it's, it's just payroll touches everybody. It sort of touches every other thing. It's, it's one of these things where I think nobody, there's not a, a firm agreement as, as to where it sits. So, you know, is it, does it, should it be HR? Should it be finance? Should it be tax? Should it be yeah. IT? And, and how's it roll up? It's, it's really something that it can stand on its own, but it's, it's one thing that it's hard to stay at the 5,000, you know, 50,000 foot level. You get in the weeds pretty quick because you need 
48 different interfaces to get your pay right. If you've got, you know, benefits are going to come in and attendance has got to come in and time has got to come in. And obviously general employee information has got to come in and comp and everything else is just so many players. And uh, they have eventually, you know, they want the same thing. They want good data. They want it on your, you know, the cost. They want it on the attendance. They want it on all those pieces. And again, what can we do with it? Can we, what can we use to predict? Can we predict, you know, if you've got a plant in Alabama and it's national championship day and Alabama's, you know, the easy one. So maybe, you know, maybe the next day that you should expect some, some absences because, you know, the team's in the playoff every year and, and whatever. And, you know, whether it's, you know, predicting at that level or national holidays or whatever, whatever is the case. Um, if you have the data, you can do some good predictive stuff later. Yeah, that that data. I'm so glad you just dove into that right now, because, you know, that that data is just absolutely uh, absolute gold to an organization. You know, if you can really harness it and get it, um, uh, get it to a point where it's easy to obtain and um, and then you can slice and dice it and understand it through dashboard. What is some of the resistance that you that an organization might encounter uh, when it realizes, you know, when some of the stakeholders realize, hey, we need to we need to do something about our global payroll situation here. Uh, what are some of the what what's some of the resistance or what's some of the arguments you sort of find that um, an organization needs to make to um, to to really convince, persuade um, some of the gatekeepers that, you know, hey, we, we need to do this. Cost is always something that's going to come up when you ask that question, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's the, uh, again, one of the obvious players in, is, you know, there's some cost there when you're trying to align globally on what to do. Change management's key and, and getting the change right. You know, if, if it's not broke, why do a bunch of changes? Everybody's getting paid, everybody's getting paid on time. And so why are we going through changes that we don't necessarily, some people will see that we don't need to do or maybe have that argument. And uh, it, it can be a risk, you know, that if it fails and you miss paying 4,000 people in China by a few days, like that's, you know, that goes back to protecting the brand, right? And, and making sure that that just, you know, stays out of anything. And so it's, cost is a big one. IT and, and resourcing is big, even from a, you know, from an information technology standpoint, the RFP process to go to vendor, you know, and find a global payroll partner. Five years ago, you know, the vendors in the space and the partners in the space, they weren't as as good as they are now and everybody's getting better. You know, this is something where you've seen, you know, I, I think Pete Tiliakis is, I think has been on or I've seen some stuff on his Twitter feed where he's talking about the investment in that, that companies are putting in to global payroll and the payroll engines is, is huge. And it's, you know, billions and billions of dollars being poured in because they know that there's a need and a desire now. I think this is where, you know, five years ago, there was money obviously being put in and invested, but it's just changed so much. And it's again, blown up. And I think maybe it's a result of COVID in, in you know, one of the outfalls of it is, you know, people needed to know more about payroll and they couldn't get it fast. And so it's, it's being put in through there. And I think hopefully, you know, where you're getting spots and you're in the right organization where you've got, you know, the faith to build it out and, and get the data right. Well, yeah, yeah. That's a 
I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and um, and and I I would I'm actually remiss to mention that that both you and Pete Tiliakos are members of our Global Executive Advisory Council. So thanks for bringing up his name because I wanted to mention that. Um, you you talk about this this sort of uh, acceleration, uh, massive acceleration of. Um, or increase in investment in global, you know, figuring out, you know, the technology for global, global payroll, right? And I think you're right. I mean, in this, in terms of what the, what are the reasons, or what were the factors driving that, you know, you have this, this push to, to, to become sort of a borderless workforce. This is a new term that we're seeing. We have work from anywhere, is uh it's so scary that's so scary to me from a tax guy perspective and a payroll guy perspective right i mean i look at that and go just the nexus issues you know i i you know grew up in tax right and so if you've got employees tripping into other countries and they don't have tax treaty agreements it it sounds easy right i'm just gonna go work in at a work hostel in chile for three three months right yeah (laughs) Right. But does your, do you have an entity in Chile? Do you have, you know, all these other things and it's, how are we going to pay you? Does Chile have special regulations that you, we need to follow for, for paying you and what are the rules there? And if you don't have an entity, like it's really, it gets my heart going just just (laughs) like the tax and legal, you know, consequences from, from that. And so I think we do a good job at, you know, where I'm at trying, and from a payroll aspect, people are doing a good job knowing and understanding how that all works. And, you know, I think HR really wants to be able to deliver on any, a lot of employees requests, but sometimes we have to say, well, actually we, we, we can't do that. <laughs> and here's why. Um, and, and eventually you can do it, but there's, you know, the risk and, you know, the investment and for the right employee, it might be worth it, but otherwise it's, you got to talk to the employee and sometimes you got to deliver the bad news that, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be allowing you to work from Antarctica for six months. <laughs> Antarctica. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, <laughs> um, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, you mentioned, I, I, I couldn't help but just think of, you know, the massive uh, growth in EORs, employers of record, yeah. as of late, you know, kind of filling in that need. Um, and well, that's part, I, I would argue that's part of the reason why, right, is, is mm. organizations are realizing the complexity around that. And so if you have a good partner and a great EOR, and, you know, that's, that can help you, right, and, and help you be you know, more favorable for your employees to build those things out, but there's certainly additional cost. It goes back to dollars and cents, you know, that employee no longer costs you X, it's X plus whatever premium that is, whether it's 30, 50, whatever, you know, the percentage is there. And it's, again, the tax side of all that is so expensive, (laughs) just the nexus creating issues and it's, it's complicated. Yeah, yeah, the taxes can get uh, incredibly cal- uh, complicated. You know, I I know, for instance, in Pennsylvania, every every county or or excuse me, locality, I think, is it locality or county? One yeah. or the other. Yeah, local local taxes in Pennsylvania. Yes. There's hundreds of jurisdictions, right? And it's making sure that hey, you hired a new employee and they live in a new spot, or the employee moved across a you know a township border. Well. Now you're filing another tax return. And, <laughs> and, and if you're outsourced and you're not doing them in, in, in-house, well, 
maybe you're paying on a per tax return basis and so now you've increased the cost and it's you know marginal at that point but you know if you're you used to file in 12 and now you file in 113 well if you're doing that in-house you might need another headcount in payroll or in tax who's ever running your payroll tax to to comply and that's you know same thing you know run in other countries as well it's that global complexity is just crazy you know what what really uh, fascinates me about this is just you know sort of the 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 opportunities uh, that change um, can produce in, in business for for employees or for for individuals right and how you you juxtapose that with the um, sort of the the very slow formation of, of regulatory frameworks that are very iterative in terms of how they've developed and and um, and you just can't expect those types of um, uh, you know the call it a gauntlet or something right you know that you can't expect it to just kind of adapt on you know on a dime right so this is this is a this is this idea that um you know well there needs there need to be conversations probably you know with between the various uh stakeholders at play to kind of say hey look what's you know we understand the need for these uh these compliance related issues let's let's, let's work together to kind of uh, look at what the future might look might be like and um, and just to ease some of these things, but at the same time, at the same time, looking at all the money that's being invested into global payroll from the uh, solution provider side, maybe, maybe, maybe they will build, um, or they already are building a better mousetrap that can kind of adapt to that in real time. Uh, I think I think they're spending a lot of time and effort trying to figure that out. I think this is something that isn't going to go away. I think employees really liked the freedom it it gave them i you know i've i certainly am not someone you know i've got two young kids and a family you know we've, we're we're living that life but i've got friends who have no kids and they're working remote and they used to you know drive an hour each way and so they may have worked in a different state you know and in have done that and like oh i'm just going to go to florida for a month in the winter because it's cold in wisconsin it's nice in florida and I'll have an Airbnb and it won't be too bad. And they did it and they had a great time. And when we came back for golf season, he was a lot tanner than I was, right? <laughs> it worked out for him. And I made sure to, I'm like, hey, tell your, you know, make sure you you tell your payroll team and, and, and do that. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, you see yeah. this all the time and employees move around and, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, this EOR space is something you certainly see. I think Niamo just spent, and I think they did, you know, sat in a presentation with them in the APA's Congress, and they talked about it a lot. And, you know, the last time we were at Congress, I don't think they talked about that, right? And so it's it, it's certainly more visible than it used to be. And I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see where that's at in, you know, 12, 18 months even, and just the amount of change that's gone through there. Oh, lots of really interesting uh, developments in EOR. Uh, you know, Niamo, yeah, they've moved into the EOR space. There are players like Omnipresent, which I believe is um, Ireland-based. I believe they're they're in that area, and uh, they they are EOR and more, from what I understand. We just yeah. moved by them recently, and then of course, Globalization Partners and Deal and all these players. Yeah, uh, there's so many players in that space. It just keeps expanding too, and that's again the investment that goes in, right? And, mm -hmm. And seeing and, and you know 
just got to be careful and you got to make sure you pick the right people. You, you do your RFP right, you go through the compliance questions and you make sure that they know what they're talking about. And it's a good fit for your org. That's that's important too. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the time and I realize we've, we've gone a little bit long. It's been very interesting, uh, but we should probably wrap it up. Um, <laughs> it's been a real, real pleasure having you, Danny, on the, on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, Brett. My pleasure. Uh, anytime. It was always a good conversation. I'm a talkative guy, so probably my fault we went over. <laughs> no, it's uh, just as much mine, but but uh, but it's all good. Uh, thank you so much. Um, thank you. No problem. Thanks, man.